powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Hello, Winnipeg Jets fans, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz, as always, and I am joined by my friend Michael Bartner of MB on Hockey today. Very excited to have him on the show to talk about whatever that was. So, um, Mike, <laughs> how are you doing today? I I am doing fantastic, especially doing fantastic after a normal New York Islanders 2-1 to one physical style play win. Grinded out hockey, excited to get into it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to share a quick message from our friends over at Sports Interaction. But uh, before I do that, I realized I forgot to pull up the ad read, so I shouldn't uh, count my chickens before they hatch. But uh, um, like Mike said, the quick, the physical 2-1 low-scoring matchup of the New York Islanders is kind of what we've grown to expect from those guys but um did you find that there was anything particularly notable about the islanders on this side uh, yeah i mean i mean the lineup especially coming into this game they were playing with like four ahlers basically and they they really held their own i think the winnipeg jets definitely outplayed them but you got guys like durandrew uh holmstrom really stepping up so i'm really impressed on how Although they aren't that high-level players, they've really been rising to the occasion in back-to-back games, even without their full roster. Yeah, I mean, great for you guys. Embarrassing for us, I guess. So that's uh, <laughs> that's definitely the way. Uh, it's good for a team, you know, when you're like looking internally, right, that they're able to, to kind of manage those situations and have those guys come in and play those roles. So that's fantastic. Congrats to you. But again, embarrassing on the side of the Winnipeg Jets that they couldn't find a way to score more than one goal in that situation. Obviously, Ilya Sorokin is Ilya Sorokin, and that was the kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure it, it was the kind of thing that uh, you have a similar conversation with people. You know, you'll have an out-of-division game, and someone will be like, oh, man, Sorokin was so unreal. And you're like, that was just a regular game for him. But like, okay, that's kind of how we feel every time someone's like, oh, Connor Hellbuck was so amazing. That's why your team won tonight. I'm like. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty regular performance from him, but it was nice to see kind of both of those goalies play pretty well, in my opinion, this evening. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was another Sorokin masterpiece. There's a reason why he's, like, in terms of, like, per start or, like, his percentage of starts that are, like, the most shutouts ever in NHL history on average. So, yeah, just two great goaltending games. I feel like the, the Islanders honestly just got lucky twice on Connor Hellebuck. I don't think they were, like, that great of chance or they were pretty great of chances it was more so just the jets making mistakes i don't think they pelted connor hellebuck that much but they definitely took advantage of the few opportunities that they did have yeah it was definitely a low uh low shooting game in my opinion with looking at yeah. uh you know if, if you're looking at ways to to strategize against certain goaltenders like you you at least want more shots. Obviously, you want better quality shots against better quality goalies because the likelihood of those peppered perimeter shots going in is pretty low. But, like, you need at least a chance to get past them. So you'd think it'd be a little bit more of a, a higher shooting game. But uh, before we get into that, I am going to do my quick little ad read here. So want to bet, then get in on the interaction, uh, the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live and play are on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn or in ontario download the app now using the qr code at the bottom of my screen here uh it's 19 plus so please play responsibly and if you believe that you may have any issues with gambling please go out to the resources that are available at sports interaction um so to get back into this a little bit um we we talked about the goaltending in those situations and and looking at needing more. That being said, I didn't think that this was the most defensively sound game from either the Winnipeg Jets or the New York Islanders tonight. Would you agree with that? 
No, yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like I feel like the Islanders allowed a lot of three on two rushes and kind of just got lucky by Ilya Sorokin bailing them out a ton there. They, they they allowed a lot off the rush. Their blue line defense was not good by any means, and usually it, it actually is pretty decent. So I was pretty surprised by that from them. Yeah, it was really interesting because it's the kind of thing where obviously a lot of Winnipeg Jets fans are familiar with Barry Trotz, especially when I accidentally started the rumor that he was getting hired, you know, six months ago. Good Insider times. List, yep, um, yep. But uh, we know that when Barry Trotz is a coach in the New York Islanders, it was very much like a when you play against the Islanders, you know, it's going to be a two to one game and Matt Barzell is going to finish the season with 60 points and be the highest scorer on the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yet they're going to be in the playoff race and make it to the conference finals or whatever. Right. So it's interesting to see that sort of continue under a different coach, but also in certain situations, like maybe it's personnel maybe it's coaching but they just don't look as tight-knit in their own zone in my opinion as they used to yeah no definitely I'm, I'm not the biggest Lane Lambert guy he he comes from the Barry Trotz tree but there's there's kind of a reason why he was the assistant coach for so long didn't get a ton of other looks in terms of being a head coach until the Islanders did bring him up still still decent overall but yeah the system has definitely changed they're allowing a lot more transition play than under a Barry Trotz yeah, that's definitely something that I noticed in particular today was that uh, the Winnipeg Jets were weird with the way that um, they, they were controlling possession in certain ways and, and whatnot. But I found that one thing that they were actually pretty good at was um, stripping some pucks of when, from when the Islanders were actually kind of trying to break out of their zone a little bit. Usually that's something that the Jets struggle with a little bit. But honestly, it wasn't even that own, like, you know, you look to be a little tighter on your own blue line and all those kinds of things. But Honestly, sometimes the Jets didn't even give them the chance to get there. There was some better moves on that forecheck. That's, um, you know, a particular area of weakness, in my opinion, for the Winnipeg Jets. They're not heavy enough on their forecheck. And tonight, they didn't look overly heavier. It was just kind of the way that um, the the Islanders were transitioning out of their zone. That seemed a little bit more easy to capitalize on. But obviously, when you're missing your best puck carrier, that will yeah. tend to happen <laughs> to a team. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that. Matt Barzell basically carried the puck into the zone like every damn time when he was on a line with like Anders Lee and Josh Bailey and stuff like that. And also even a guy like JG Pajot, not the best puck head, puck handler, puck carrier by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're bringing in those AHL guys instead of him, you do see a massive drop off in terms of the effectiveness of getting out of the zone, getting into the opposing team zone. So yeah, like, you know, you don't really... You definitely miss a JG Peugeot, but especially when you look at the talent offensively that is coming up, it's 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 a big drop off, especially when you got Ross Johnson playing. Yeah, and Ross, Ross Johnson was, trying to fight second yeah, yeah, actually, line actually, tonight. Yeah, actually, how what did you think of Ross Johnson? What did he take? Like one or two penalties tonight? <laughs> um, I again when I was so I was looking at their lineup a little bit going into it, and I was you know there are a couple guys. I'll be honest with you, I was like I don't know who Ross Johnson is. I was looking at him, and it seemed like a little bit of a you know this is the guy that probably wasn't on anyone's opening drawn out roster but then injuries trades whatever permits and there he is and yeah he seemed like was he on the ice for that second goal because he seems like he could have been that seems like the kind of goal that he would no no that was that was the that was the Holmstrom Horvat in like Matt Martin line like that (laughs) that that's how you know like the starting line was Anders Lee Nelson or Horvat in Matt Martin Matt Martin was our first line right wing today he's not even a right wing like he's a left wing that's how even yeah that's how hurt we are right now but yeah ross johnson his one notable play was getting into a scrum with pld and just taking them out for two minutes that's like that was his one good thing of the night so that's that's ross johnson for you no know, it was so funny i um 
there, there are a bunch of people that I, you know, every Jets game, it's a similar people that we all interact with each other on Twitter and, you know, kind of shoot the shit a little bit. It's a ton of fun. But there was one guy who's like, you know, people talking about the, the goaltending battle, Connor versus Hellebuck, or Connor Hellebuck versus Sorokin, blah, blah, blah. Like, can I remind you, though, that one of these guys has Mason Appleton playing on his first line? And I was like, can I remind you that the other one has Martin, Matt and Martin playing on his first line? It's- we're all in bad it's, shape. It's right not here. much better. Yeah, yeah. Cole, Cole Perfetti's missed, and then like four guys on the Islanders are sorely missed right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, something that I kind of noticed from that was an area of weakness for the Jets tonight. Their their lack of shots. Part of it to me came from um, when they were in transition, breaking up the ice a little bit. And maybe you can comment this on from the defensive perspective. But I found that. Um, Puck carrying tonight had to be done up the middle of the ice. I found that the walls are pretty jammed up by um, the Isles defenders. I thought that, you know, if, if a guy was breaking up the ice um, on the wing for the Jets, he really, really struggled to get in unless he was doing that shitty pass that I hate to the guy who's completely stationary on the blue line and then everyone has to stop and they have to dump the puck in and all that garbage. But no one was actually breaking up properly down the wing. They really had to break through the middle or try and pass up uh, a little bit, uh, doing a little bit more puck movement as opposed to just the carrier because I thought that the, the Isles did a good job of clogging up those walls today. I don't know if it was their wingers or their defenders, but uh, is this something that tends to be kind of common in Islanders play? No, yeah, they, they definitely do tend to play a decent amount wide when 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 the team's coming on the rush because they are a very physical bunch. You got Pollock, Pellick, Romanov, Mayfield. They, they're not afraid to literally just crunch you against the board, so they tend to play a lot more wider and kind of force you down the middle. So, no, that's that that's that's kind of typical for Islander hockey. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's an area that you have to adjust to a little bit better. And that's one thing, especially as we get to, to the end of the season, that teams need to do a better job of. Obviously, if the Winnipeg Jets are to ever play the New York Islanders again after, what, next week, I think they play each other again. That's besides the point. It would be in the Stanley Cup final. Like, you don't really need to get particularly adjusted to the New York Islanders style of play, but you need to learn to do a better job of getting adjusted to your opponent's style of play. And that was something that I didn't think uh, they did a super good job of tonight. But um, I want to talk a little bit about special teams, too. So a couple calls, both sides, this, that, whatever. Um, before we get into the actual play of the special teams, any calls tonight that you were like, that was a bad call, that was a good call, or anything that was missed, in your opinion? Definitely uh, definitely that first call on Durandu. I was like, I was like, oh, at first I was like, what the fuck was that? Oh, sorry, but I was like, what the hell was that? Then, then it definitely on the you replay, that was show. probably the care. one. That, that, that was probably the one. I didn't know if the higher-ups were listening in and <laughs> to get you in trouble. But um, that was the one thing at first I was like, ooh, a little bit sus. It definitely was like a tic-tac, tic-tac call, but I definitely see where they were coming from on that. Besides that, I mean, nothing nothing really stood up. There was the one on uh, Koivalu that was like pretty obvious. The guy literally just slashed him across. I'm trying to think of anything else. Was there anything that you thought was like egregious? No, no, not for me. I just know that the Islanders fans in the in the arena really didn't like that call that Sandberg drew, that tripping yeah. call. Skate on skate, yeah. but Yeah, it was, it was it was it was yeah, it's something in the building when you see that you don't see like the skate on skate, so you're probably like, What the hell? There was barely any contact there. But uh yeah, I, I can definitely see that where where it was called, but I wouldn't have called it, you know. I'm just looking Old at the bias. the penalties here and looking at the um gotta shout out, yeah, the Ross Johnson, two penalties tonight, out of boy, and one of them was a roughing um, penalty in in unison with Pierre Luc Dubois' roughing penalty. I'm so glad. I, I, 
Pierre Luc Dubois has one of the best penalty differentials in the entire NHL, and yet I'm pretty sure he gets like one to two penalties on average every single game. I'm so sick of this man. <laughs> like I just, I don't even know. Um, but before we just start talking about special teams, for those of you who are in the chat, I see we got a good amount of listeners here. Thank you so much for for joining. Make sure you're subscribing to SDPN and you're you know liking the stream and commenting below. Let me know um, what you thought of the special teams tonight, because obviously for my Jets fans listening. We got a talking point to talk about there. The Winnipeg Jets, it took them how many freaking games to put back together the unit that they needed to put together. Um, I was literally tweeting about it before they even scored because actually scoring on a penalty or a power play unit um, is obviously the most important thing about it. But uh, this is the first game, or I didn't watch the last couple games. I was busy this weekend. But uh, Cole Perfetti's injury uh, has changed a couple of things and they've shuffled some guys around. But they're finally putting Shifley and Ehlers in the same unit, which is extremely important. So tonight the unit... Um, the first power play unit that the Winnipeg Jets were running was uh, Josh Morrissey up top, Merrick Dubois down low, Kyle Connor in his office, and then they had both Ehlers and Shifley. So that is the unit if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Putting Nikolai Ehlers, who is your best puck carrier and the only guy who can actually make his own entry on the power play is extremely important. Also, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm not a huge face-offs girly. I don't care a whole ton about face-offs personally, like the, more as an isolated play. I think they're really important as an isolated play, but if you look at percentages, that kind of doesn't mean a ton to me um, because it's really more in the moment that it, it matters as like if so if you look at a guy who's you know a 60% face-offs and it's like okay congrats to him like what else is he doing for me lately kind of thing I don't I, I'm a little bit less of a face-offs girly but tonight Pierre Lejeune was actually winning face-offs and it changed a lot of things for the Winnipeg Jets on their power play which was great um, but my big thing with this whole Jets power play whatever is that um, Rick Bonus has outright said that he won't put Shifley and Ehlers in the same power play unit because they like to play in the same spot if you're picking between the two of those guys, you need to put Ehlers first because he's your best power play guy. So that's dumb. And Mark Shifley hasn't had as much playoff su- or power play, pardon me, success as he has seen when he was in his middle slot there, getting those one timers and those deflections right in front of the goaltender, which they seem to move him back towards today. And I thought it looked a lot better. Do you have any thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets power play that you happen to notice today, or anything about how you uh, noticed the Islanders' penalty kill adjusting or anything like that? I I thought the penalty kill was was pretty pretty bad. Not gonna lie for the Islanders, but uh, yeah, I mean I mean they they entered the zone pretty easily. I don't, I I it, it, it was pretty mad. Obviously they let up the one Ehlers goal that was just he was like uh, I think Polak was screening his own goalie. That was unfortunate, but overall the PK was was okay, pretty bad I'd say. Power play unit, I mean, that, you, beggars really can't be choosers. They didn't score on the, I think they're two or three power plays. But for us, especially without Barzell, it's usually a struggle even to get into the zone on the power play, especially without Barzell. So I think they actually had some decent chances. I think Brock Nelson whiffed on a one-timer, like cross crease, that was a great chance. They got a couple shots on net. So overall, special teams for the Islanders, it definitely wasn't anything to like hang your hat on. But I don't. It's it's definitely been worse. We've definitely had far worse nights because we are, at least power play wise, PK is usually pretty solid, but power play one of the worst power plays. Yeah, for sure, and and that's something that definitely, um, you know, as I've uh, I've noticed kind of throughout the course of Jets games over the last little bit, like. God, you need to have a good power play if you want to succeed um, as, as you move forward. Like, it, it's so important to be able to capitalize on those chances. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, 
it doesn't matter if your power play is good if you suck at five on five and are unable to draw penalties. So I get that. Like, so five on five play is always the most important thing for any team ever. Um, but once you've kind of mastered that or you've you're, you've developed a solid footing in your five on five, like you got to have a good power play. And for someone like the Islanders, in my opinion, again, I don't watch a ton of Eastern Conference hockey, but, um, you know, you make a trade for the biggest UFA on the market. You'd think they're going for some form of playoff push maybe not now that he's actually signed long term and isn't just a rental but besides the point it's important to get that that power play uh, up and running in order to you know not score at will but be closer to scoring at will because that's the best chance you're going to get to pot those goals when you're at five on four yeah no the power play was actually looking pretty decent when it was barzell and Bo up there but now the barzell who who again handles the puck for like so much whether it's five on five or power play kind of filling his void is, has kind of been tough but i definitely feel better about the power play now than like two weeks ago because we went on like a three for 48 run like it was historically bad so like now that we're only scoring probably at like a 15 20 percent clip like i'll take that beggars literally can't be choosers that, no, that's that fair. And I think also just with the nature of the makeup, this is actually maybe going to be a, an interesting conversation that we can have. So I see some people in the ta- chat, particularly David, talking about just kind of the worry that's developing among Jets fans just with the depth scoring piece that's really missing. And uh, I'm a big believer that your scorers need to score and everyone else like you shouldn't be relying on if you're relying on your third line center to score 20 goals in a season like that means that there's something wrong with your top six you shouldn't be relying on them for uh, that heavy of points contribution they're they're more meant for energy lines and for matchup lines but that being said um, there's a huge 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 void there right now and you know you need to have those lines that have the ability to score and the off chance that your your top six are having some rough nights and it seems to be that that's the case more and more lately with the Winnipeg Jets and depth scoring is a huge issue for the Winnipeg Jets. They have the top end talent. Does the top end talent always capitalize? That's a different story. But they have that top end ability. Their their top six has some of the better players in the NHL um, night in, night out and their, their depth is just not producing as much as they would need if they want to be you know, quote unquote, that guy in the playoffs that they think they're going to be. Um, so coming from you, you, the Islanders are a team that's notably deep, correct? Like they have that, I guess not when, right when now healthy. so much with when, some when, of the, yeah. the AHL players that got going on, but talk a little bit about depth from your perspective and kind of how it's seen, um, you know, success with the Islanders in the last little bit. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give my take on the Winnipeg, the Winnipeg bottom six based on what I saw. And it's not good. Basically, whenever like like whenever I heard from one of their players, they weren't doing something good. What was what's the one guy's name? The Finnish guy? Yeah, he was, I, at least in my mind, like he was messing up throughout the game. I was not that impressed. Uh, Adam Lowry is just like a big body doesn't really impress me and i literally forgot sam Gagne was even on the team till literally like end of third <laughs> period they, they said his name like once the broadcast and i was like i was like i had to do like a double take but uh yeah the winnipeg jets yeah because i i whenever kyle connor shifley wheeler were on the ice something was happening and i felt scared but once i saw big bad adam lowry or i already forgot like the finished guy's name <laughs> i was like we're good like there's gonna be some turnover we're gonna be perfectly fine and yeah from an islander's perspective what we've kind of done like what when we went on those runs we didn't have like a good first line we basically just had three good second lines and like the identity line that fourth line that'll beat the shit out of you so it's like so true <laughs> it's like yeah it's, it's like we we weren't the most skilled team but we probably lose the battle when it's your first line versus our first line. Second line, we're probably better than your second line. And our third line was definitely better than your third line. So, like, yeah, depth, depth. As an Islanders fan, I have found out 
is literally essential to any deep playoff run and is why the Jets should probably go out and get a center or winger for that third line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that that's rough about the Jets is that, yeah, they have, like, you know, Blake Wheeler is a good player. Like, he's ha- he's having a decent season. He's been notably strong winger in the NHL for quite a few years. But it's the kind of thing where it's, like, my take on what the Winnipeg Jets need to do for their ads is not go get more third liners and put them on the third line. It's to get more top six players and move guys out of your top six who should be third liners. And I think that that's something that's really important for a team to, to kind of identify and, and look and see, you know, this player who's 34 years old is probably not going to be on your top line in a cup run. There's just a very unlikely chance. And so, I don't know, it, it's it's hard because... I don't really care about Adam Lowry scoring all that much because ideally if he's going out against a top line, he's just doing enough to get them from stopping scoring and stopping creating chances. And if he's not creating a ton on his own, I'm okay with that. But like you said, the big bad Lowry, you go out there and you're not scared. That's not good. You're supposed to be scared of a team's third line. You're supposed to be worried that they're not. You're not going to be able to create enough when that player's on the ice or when that line's on the ice. And if that's not the case. Then what are they there for? Especially and again, if they weren't doing that, but they were scoring on the regular, it's like okay, I guess I can sort of forgive them for that. But if they're doing neither of those things, that's not enough for a third line. Your third line is arguably one of the more important components of your team if you're looking to isolate other teams from scoring. Right. So it, it's very difficult. Yeah. No. Literally, I was just example, but like. In Tampa Bay, their third line, the acquisitions of, of Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman, not the most sexy additions of all time, but just fantastic two-way wingers that can give you 35 to 40 points. They're not going to, they're not going to, yeah, they're not going to be the most flashy players, but they get the job done. So yeah, I think, I think Winnipeg at the deadline definitely needs to do something like that. Probably get a higher end player in today's NHL. It's a lot more offensive, but yeah, they, they, they need to do something. And my, my Islanders already got Bo Horvat, so I don't love the idea of us going on top of that and adding even more. Hopefully we just, our additions will basically just be Pajot and Barzell finally getting healthy. But from 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 a Winnipeg Winnipeg standpoint, if if you couldn't beat this Islanders team tonight, and I love my Islanders, there's something something needs to be coming at the deadline. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that it's the kind of thing where you you can't keep losing hockey games. Like it is the kind of thing I know. Any night you can go out there, they're all professionals. Anyone can beat anyone. Buffalo always beats Toronto, and all these freaking things. But it's like no, like it's it. You need to start looking at this, and it's not bringing in. Ivan Barbashev, it's not bringing in, you know, Nick Bukestad as your sole trade piece. Like, they got to do a little bit more than that. And so... Timo um, Meyer or bust. So true. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Um, Lambert gone. Rick McGrody gone. See ya. I don't care. Get rid of them if it means I get Timo Meyer. Trade them all. Trade Cole Freddy for all I care. Okay, no, that's a little bit more of a complex (laughs) one than that. But it's true. It's true. Um, Timo Meyer is a freaking good player. And if they can't get him, I'm still looking at that Jacob Chicker and Nick Schmaltz package that we could cook up a little bit. I don't know. I could see it. I could see it being a fit. Uh, Lots of news going around in those particular areas. Hate to break it to you, but... (sighs) Nikita Zaitsev is now off the table. Unfortunately, we can't bring that guy (laughs) to help our team. (laughs) Um, God, can you imagine if I got traded with two actual picks for future considerations? If I was that, I would drop and retire on the spot. I don't, I don't, I mean, no offense to Ottawa, but like you get to go to Chicago, which is much better. You're still getting paid. I I wouldn't be too bad. If, 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 if it was like a legit contender and, and like, they were literally like, no, you're literally just not coming on this cup run with us. That would suck. But like, 
you get out of Ottawa, you're in a like a better city, all that stuff. Next year, you just sign with some cup running team. I I, I don't hate it that much. I don't hate it that much. But I'm an yeah. Ottawa hater. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. But uh, it's okay. I it's the kind of thing for for those of you who are regulars. You know how much of a Winnipeg Jets hater I am. Mike's also an Islanders hater. We're kind of just those self depreciating like. I don't like my hockey team sometimes, but uh, um, Baby Yoda in the chat says that Chevy Sucks is a GM, and I, I have many, many mixed feelings about that. I do think that he's a little bit more of a a reserved GM, and he's not going to make... He, he'll, he'll be kicking the tires on players, but he'll back out if he thinks the price gets too high because he doesn't want to exploit his pieces too much and stuff like that, which I think is fair, but there are times when you just have to do that because either... It doesn't matter... If you don't walk away with the player, it's as if you were never fighting for them at all, right? Because you're walking away without the ad on your team. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that he sucks, but if you've been a GM of a hockey team for 11 or 12 years or whatever it's been and your team's made one playoff run, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling great about it. So it'll be interesting um, to see. I don't, once again, I'm seeing here that um, um, Baby Yoda says we're struggling because we don't have a bottom six that can score. I have more worries about the top six than I do about the bottom six, if I'm being completely honest. I think that we wouldn't be noticing the impacts of the bottom six as much if Kyle Connor was able to score at the rate that Kyle Connor can score at, if Pierre-Luc Dubois could actually do something for once in his life, if Mark Shifley wasn't just like completely giving things up every single time he didn't have the puck when he was on the ice. You know, all those things are bigger areas of concern for me um, than a guy who's playing nine minutes a night on the fourth line. I think you need to, you know, touch those pain points that have the biggest impact on the game. If it was something like goaltending, I'd want to take a better look there because that has a really huge impact on things. But, you know, for both Mike and I, we're not too worried in that category. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think in tonight's game you can't be you can't be screaming at the bottom six when you're when your top dogs only gave you one power play goal. That's that's a little ridiculous. Like it is Ilya Sorokin, but like you gotta get at least two in a game like that. That's that's not on the bottom six. Oh man, early in that first there were a couple of chances though. Like, okay, that's actually one thing that I want to so Sorokin obviously slayed tonight. Like he was very, very, very good. <laughs> um lots of great moments. Um but there was uh, the, there was the one crazy play when when Scott Mayfield did you see that when Scott Mayfield tripped and fallen and almost got his neck slit open and then yeah. and then Kyle Connor had the had the off the post shot that was yeah, so that early was, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then and then the Ehlers yeah the Ehlers the Ehlers miss which Sorokin mm-hmm. got a piece of that that was also a very good chance it was a nice save too it was just like holy smokes and there was another one that oh there was a shot or whatever and then the rebound was weird and Mason Appleton slides through the middle or some of that and he takes this gorgeous shot there was like six guys in front I was like how did this man save that puck but uh, that one play that you're talking about that particular save where it was like it slid along the goal line there and it came out and it was like oh my god how did that not go in what was up with the Winnipeg Jets tonight and their no look passes it was freaking ridiculous the giveaways that they were creating from these cheeky behind the back awful passes that you could read like a book was so insane insane did you notice that or was that just me getting frustrated no no I, I i i literally i think i wrote it down somewhere it was like it was the no look yeah a couple 360 insane passes that they tried to pull off and just like always trying to make like the ticky tack extra pass when they had a wide open shot like like I'm, I'm all for occasionally trying to pull that but like just put the puck on the net especially when you only finished with what they finished with like 26 27 shots like they they just kept on making the extra pass when just put it on net. It's not that hard. 
yeah, the Winnipeg Jets are very much like a cute look for the extra pass team. And it, it's very, very frustrating because like sometimes you just need to take the shot if it's there. Like you don't need to galaxy brain it. Like if you have good possession of the puck and there's a, a lane there, like do it. Um, and that was also my frustration with the end of the game in particular. I'll talk about that second Islanders goal just a little bit where, again, it was the same thing where they go into the boards. Dylan DeMello almost makes mm-hmm. an awful hit and I was a little bit terrified there for a second but we, yeah, we seemed to get out of there Holm- on skis. So yeah, Holmstrom isn't the biggest guy. That could, that could have gotten ugly quick. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I was so worried because they and they, they took that camera angle going in too. It was like the first one. I was like, oh, no, 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 don't show me this. I don't want to see this. <laughs> um, but he, he retrieves a puck, wins that battle, gives it to Kyle Connor, who tosses the puck behind his back, and Kevin Stenland's like, hold on, what? And then he fumbles the puck, and then the turnover is there, and then Holmstrom makes that really nice shot. Good for him. Great shot. Not going to take away from that, but that shot should have never happened, because Kyle Connor shouldn't have tossed the puck from his own goal line. You don't do that. Yeah, it was it was just really irresponsible. I was like, I was like, oh, they got, they're, they're about to get it out of the zone, and then it just ends up on Simon Holmstrom's stick, and he just rockets it home. Exactly. I was like, that... That that was that was such a bang bang play. The Islanders did not establish the zone at all, and they just easily got a goal. It was it was awesome as a fan. But yeah, I was like, that 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 should not be happening. No, exactly for sure. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, like Kyle Connor kind of makes that fumble, and so he throws it to Stenlin, who's a little bit out of sorts because the puck wasn't supposed to come there. And so then he slides across because he's like, oh shit, and I don't have the puck. And what does he do? He creates a perfect screen right in front of Connor Hellebuck. It's like ah. Like, can't, can't be doing that. So um, why did I want to talk about that? There was something, where was I going? Oh, the end of the game. That's where I was going with this. That's where I was going with this. Um, I am an anti-point shots girly. I hate point shots because, for the most part, players are too big and too fast these days that if you're doing a point shot, it should be for a deflection or for a rebound. You shouldn't be looking to score when there are seven guys in the lane in front yeah, of you. The puck's not, not going to go through. I'm a little bit of an ante in that in that situation. But like at the end of the game there, um, Dylan DeMello, bless his heart, but takes an awful penalty when it matters most to not take that. <laughs> that <laughs> brutal, was brutal. nuts. Like, 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 first off, it's Kyle Palmieri. It's not Matt Barzell shrieking down there. There's, there's not even, I'd say, over 50% chance that he finishes that. And second off, yeah, with a two minutes, 18 seconds left, it's like almost worse to like let him score and then you just have two minutes two minutes of five on five instead of having the power play and then you gotta pull and then you gotta pull the goalie. Like it was disastrous by no. Dylan DeMayo. And, and and you saw and you saw and you saw immediately and you saw immediately he like does like the most raged like jump because he knew he could like he knew he did it. He was like Damn yeah. it! And he, he was, was so pissed. passionate about it. Yeah, he was so mad. Like he couldn't even fight the ref on that. It was no, no, no. It was gold. It was. And gold. he knows. He knows. Yeah. But um, all that's to say, then you have to kill off a penalty at the worst possible time in a game to kill off a penalty. And then they go and they finally have their six on five, and they win a face off. And what does Neil Pionk do from the right? blue line is he just absolutely cranks a shot six feet wide and yeah. I don't hate cranking a shot well not that hard of a shot but a shot that's wide if you're looking for a one touch pass or whatever but it was just yeah. a shot for the sake of getting a puck towards the net when there was no traffic in that area there was no one there to do something with it and that's just been a continued frustration of mine with some of the Winnipeg Jets defenders who are shot heavy like him and uh, I find that um, Dylan Sandberg, he's gotten better, was a little bit shot heavy at first. Logan Stanley is infamous for this. It's just like throwing pucks on net, but it's like that wasn't the shot to throw. That wasn't the type of thing to be doing. And it was just very frustrating in a game like this. 
Yeah, believe me. I, I know shot-heavy defenseman, Noah Dobson. I, I looked it up because he was just ripping shots there today. He's he's fifth in the entire NHL in shots by a defenseman. And yeah, that from Pionk, like I was like, I think I saw it happen. I was like, oh, that's it's not going anywhere. Like it's such a hero shot. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't worried at all. He he wanted to be the hero. Yeah, no, and that's that's frustrating. So yeah, things like making those poor isolated plays. I was talking to Mike before this and I was like, it's so frustrating when your job is to jump on YouTube after a game and talk about what happened. Um, but it's like, you you want to talk about, it's like, oh, for example, this team is playing a really strong, um, you know, 1-3-1 one, one trap defense and the players are struggling to get through it. That wasn't the case in this game. It was just, why are you making these stupid plays at these stupid times? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for me, I, yeah, I told you, I was like, the Jets definitely outplayed the Islanders. The Islanders just took advantage of their chances. That That's literally how it went. Obviously, Sorokin played great, and that really helped us, but I, I really don't think we deserve to win that game. Well, yeah, but it is the kind of thing, too, where it's like, you know, you can talk about, you know, don't deserve to win a game, but if, if you notice a team is almost beating themselves like they were able to capitalize in a lot of areas and also you know I didn't think all things considered looking at the penalty count it was actually worse than I thought I didn't feel like I felt like a good amount of this game was played off five on five um more so than I often feel like I feel like the Jets have been in a lot of really penalty heavy games in the last little bit um but you know that early Josh calling the interference it's like oh dude you you gotta stop um but uh so you know, you got to give credit where credit's due for being able to come up with the wins in situations like this because, you know, we can talk about, I, I love my deserve to win a meter more than anyone in the world, but at the end of the day, who walked away with two points and who walked away with zero, and, and that's what matters, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And, and the Islanders, their final two minutes, and especially the final minute, they were great. Bo Horvat, I, I don't know who he took, took puck from, meant fantastic, like, takeaway, and then shifted down the ice. Palmieri at the very end, that's like... They they they're the New York Islanders. They get a one goal lead and then they just kind of shut down and play sound defense. And yeah, it was from like five minutes on, it was really good, especially dealing with that power play or penalty kill. For sure. So that kind of wraps up the general gist of what I wanted to talk about for a lot of things in this game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of going forward. So the Jets are done a road trip now, which is nice. Uh, get to come home and play, you know, the noted awful Colorado Avalanche, right? Yay. Looking mm-hmm. forward to that one on Friday. Um, that's a team that we haven't played a whole ton this year. Um, even though they're in division, we have a couple more matchups against them this season. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare against that team while they're still somewhat depleted. McCarr is not going to be playing on Friday. So that's something that they're going to have to take advantage of because that's not going to happen if you run into them in the playoffs that guy will be there and he's going to be um you know your number one nightmare throughout the throughout the entire series and whatnot so it'll be interesting to see how the next little bit goes um but mike from an out-of-market perspective of the winnipeg jets uh we already talked a little bit about trade deadlines movements all that kind of stuff obviously we've all been looking at the trade boards and who's up there who are who's looking at being moved and all those kinds of things from your perspective what kinds of players could you see being a fit for the winnipeg jets it's so tough because like basically all the like I would have said basically all three of the guys that have already already been traded, but now it's so tough because it's like it's like Timo Meyer or Ivan Barbashev. It's like it's like either you get this elite, fantastic player or you get basically a second, third liner. I I, I genuinely don't know. Like at this point, a team should either overpay for Chikrin or like get like a decent fourth or third liner. There there's really not much left in the trade market. 
No, for sure. Exactly. I know that's pretty bad. That's a pretty <laughs> ass answer. <laughs> no, and it's hard too because you look at all these teams who are who are in good shape, and it's like, what does this team need? It's like, oh, they could probably use a good player. Like no one doesn't need yeah. a good player, so it's hard. So you look at all these teams, and obviously, if you want to look at depth pieces and further ads and stuff like that, it gets a little bit more tailored to that specific team and where their areas of weakness are. But it's like. Every single team, I, I talked about this in the last game and I got roasted for my, my metaphor I used, but essentially it's like you could do a little flowchart roadmap and you look at the top and you're like, are you an NHL team? Yes. Should you want Timo Meyer? Yes. Like that, that's, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to like look too specifically at need when you have players who are as strong as that available. So it'll be interesting to see where, where that guy ends up. Yeah. Like as much as I didn't love the Bo Horvat trade, at least like he is without a doubt a very good player at totally. the body he's like a 60 point center at least like i almost prefer that we did that instead of like march second or third trade like a first for gavrikov or like barbashev who would have just been rentals in or half the player of bohorvets like although if i could go back in time and stop it i definitely would have stopped that trade but yeah, yeah totally. in retrospect it actually like compared to the mar- market what it's shaping up to be it's actually an okay deal yeah, no, definitely. And like you said, you can always look at these sorts of things. But when we talked about, like, you know, as a Jets fan, the most, you know, notable trade that's ever happened is the Pierre-Luc Dubois-Patrick Line trade, right? Like, you look at it, and it's the kind of thing where it's like, you can look at all the technicalities, the circumstances surrounding it, um, you know, the money, this, that, whatever. But oftentimes, it's like, did you walk away from this with a good player? Yes or no. And if you have a decent player on your hockey team, usually, you know, you can kind of forgive the circumstances that led to it. It's like maybe you would have liked it to be a lesser pick or a lesser this, that, whatever. But oftentimes when you walk away with the better player of the situation, it it feels a little bit more forgivable after the initial shock of the trade happening, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like as much as losing Aturatu in that first round pick is... The odds that either of those players are better than Bo Horvat is probably going to be less than 25%, I'd say. It's so like, at the end of the day, you probably get the better player whenever you're trading assets for a current player, but you, you might not win shit, so that, that also factors in. Yeah, someone's been watching my videos and helping me out with my with my assets and screaming about asset maximization. So <laughs> um, just before we wrap up, just a fun little uh, out-of-market question for you. So obviously, again, watch the Winnipeg Jets tonight. You're familiar with the Winnipeg Jets in a certain capacity. Um, if you're Lou Lamorello for a day and you get like a strange constraint where it's essentially you have to trade for someone on the Winnipeg Jets, who are you trading for and what does that trade look like? We don't have a lot of assets. That's the problem. <laughs> like, like obviously, like Cal Connor would be the would be the guy that I'd want. Um, maybe trade for like they wouldn't say yes to it, but maybe like Cole Perfetti. You give up an Oliver Wallstrom, who was a 2018 12th overall pick. You give up another decent prospect. I'm really high on Cole Perfetti. I I I like his game a lot, and I know they probably wouldn't never trade him in a second. But if I can't assemble a massive massive package for uh kyle connor or ehlers cole perfetti cole perfetti for wallstrom first and i don't even know who else we ain't got much okay okay interesting interesting i i like that i'm definitely uh um a fan of Cole Perfetti as well as everyone knows I think that that player has a lot of potential in him but uh, I so I, I like seeing the love from out of market because he's someone who I don't think gets enough I love Winnipeg <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay puts Winnipeg on your, your no trade list and right so 
Awesome. Well, um, that kind of wraps up the general gist of what I wanted to talk about on the show today. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. I see we got some people interacting with each other in the chat, which is fantastic. Hearing a lot of comparisons to other markets and, you know, situations that plague the Jets and why they're so bad. Um, (laughs) But it's great to see everyone interacting. And you'll obviously be able to catch us here after every single Jets game, either myself or my co-host Brady. I'm actually going out of town for a couple weeks. I'm going to Montreal for some school stuff. So I'm going to be off the the board here. So Brady's going to be taking over and really having a ton of fun on game over over the next couple weeks so i'll see you all on friday for the colorado game and then i'm taking some time off and uh so that'll be fun um but if you want to see more from me you know if no no pressure of course because lots of yelling goes on on twitter about the most random things but you can always find me on twitter at Liz hood l-y-s-s-h-o-u-d-e and also follow sdpn sports on there and find out everything that they're up to and also you can follow me on tiktok at can teach size if you want to hear me once again yelling about things in a verbal format instead of tweeting my 280 characters about what i'm mad about today mike anything that you want to plug about what you get up to instagram tiktok and beyond hockey and bon hockey uh Twitter, Mike Bartner, at Mike, Mike Bartner. Um, and yeah, that's really it right now. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for the city of Winnipeg for gracing me as oh a guest. God. Well, <laughs> there's, um, Mike's got a lot of fun stuff coming up, and there there could be opportunity for, for collab with the city of Winnipeg with Mike, what he's got up to. So make sure you guys are following him city. and all those stuff. the city's coming my way. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. And um, yeah, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening. We appreciate it. Uh, Jets play next on Friday, home game against Colorado Avalanche. So that division matchup will be really fun. And we'll see uh, who gets the best of that game. And then we'll we'll go from there. So uh, trade deadline coming up in a week or so. So make sure you're following all these different socials that we mentioned today. And you're staying up to date with uh, everyone's opinions because, you know, we all have them on these types of things. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and have a great rest of your evening. Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.